break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 7th of February, 2022, and very happy to be back with you here on the show And we have plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. In particular, we want to talk about a big event that got almost no news over the past four or five days. And that is the very, very recent, just ended on Sunday, African Union Summit in Addis Ababa. Well, towards the end of last week and over the weekend, the African Union held its 35th Ordinary Assembly of Heads of State and Governments of the African Union. It's their yearly big meeting, something like the UN General Assembly type of meeting for the African Union. And it's a big one because it's the first edition held in person since the beginning of the pandemic, and it is being held at the headquarters in Addis Ababa, despite attempts to perhaps prevent that given the conflict in Ethiopia. Sadly, though, the AU meeting got essentially no real global media notice, which also sadly reflects the overall lack of influence of the continent in world affairs and also the ongoing racism that continues to blot out events on the African continent in much of the world media. Although with that being said, the things that did happen at the summit speak very heavily to whether or not the current status quo state of affairs on the African continent can or will change as we move deeper into the 21st century. The issue that got the most international attention was the postponement of the observer status granted to Israel last year. And when that observer status was granted, many were surprised, since many nations in Africa tend to be more outspoken in favor of Palestinian rights, and some African countries seem to be blindsided and have no idea that it was even something that could potentially happen. Israel gaining observer status happened in the context of the growing normalization announcements between Israel and various nations in the Muslim and Arab world, and it stood out as what appeared to be a sign of success in terms of countering the growing efforts by opponents of Israeli apartheid to isolate that nation diplomatically. Algeria and South Africa in particular, but also Namibia, Botswana, and Lesotho objected and pushed for the observer status to be rescinded, something that appears to have also had some behind-the-scenes support from Nigeria. Rather than deal with it, the AU decided to kick the ball into the long grass, establishing a commission with both supporters and opponents of observer status to quote-unquote study the issue and decide what to do which seems almost certainly to mean that the issue won't come up again anytime soon, making it really a de facto victory for opponents of Israeli apartheid and showing the clear limits of Israeli influence on the continent. While Israeli businesses are involved all over the continent in various ways, it seems their financial largesse isn't enough to get many countries to go to the mat for them, even in this symbolic gesture. Whatever the final resolution of the question is, we'll speak very heavily to whether or not Africa can speak with one voice on this critical global issue. 
On a similar note, the summit explicitly denounced the unilateral sanctions regimes instituted by the U.S. and European Union and called for sanctions against Eritrea, Zimbabwe, and South Sudan by the U.S. and EU to be lifted and express solidarity with all three nations. This is an interesting development, which dovetails with efforts spearheaded by China and Venezuela to build opposition to unilateral sanctions regimes. Eritrea and Zimbabwe have been involved in that effort from the start, as have Angola, Algeria, and Equatorial Guinea. But for the whole summit to make a statement to this regard shows that the anger at the high-handed nature of U.S. and EU foreign policy, even among Western allies, is certainly more substantial than those Western nations would want you to think. The question remains, however, how the AU will act as a block in this regard and whether or not African countries will boldly challenge sanctions regimes and seek to undermine them. Also on the international front was the agreement between Somalia and the African Union to officially transition away from the Amazon military mission and return principal control of Somali security to the Somali National Army in 2023. And this is a potentially substantial decision for a range of reasons, but notably for our purposes here, because Somalia's key role as a launching pad for U.S. and U.K. special operations and intelligence on the continent. The transition away from Amazon could change these relationships. The current president of Somalia, Farmajo, has been fairly cagey about how exactly he would play this should he be returned to power in current ongoing elections, but his base of supporters are fairly rabid opponents of Western nations playing any real military type of role in the country. So it stands to reason there is at least a chance that this decision by the summit could lead to a reduced military presence for imperialism on the continent. And this brings us to another major and related issue, the coups that seem to be sweeping the continent. And notably on that issue of coups, the outgoing head of the AU, Felix Tischetti, who is the president of DRC, so the outgoing head of the AU, actually had to leave the summit early because there was an attempted coup against him. So coups that are sweeping the continent, running right up there into the AU summit. In an official capacity, the AU condemned the coups in Mali, Sudan, Burkina Faso, and Guinea. Although how serious the AU positions are on these things isn't really clear, Mali's foreign minister, for instance, was all over the sidelines of the summit, meeting with a number of high officials from various countries, including the president of Central African Republic, who offered full support to the leadership in Mali. The AU as well as the EU and the U.S. are taking a much softer line on Guinea and Burkina Faso than Mali. In fact, they seem to be trying to make an example of Mali. The biggest overall difference between Mali and these other nations, and where the Central African Republic comes into this conversation, seems to be that Mali has bought Russian weapons and brought in Russian trainers for their military. France and Germany are both talking openly about withdrawing all troops from Mali and Denmark is already gone. They are all directly stating their major issue is Russia. Central African Republic is also rent with armed conflict and recently replaced Western troops with Russians, South Africans, and Rwandan troops, and has, in fact, turned the tide against a strong insurgency there. As we pointed out, there are a range of contradictions with these coups in various countries, but what's important here is the broad thrust. Clearly, the West is concerned not so much with the coups, which they support all the time, but with the fact that it seems a growing cohort of African leaders is open to at least partially switching horses in terms of who's providing the military support. Of course, for the West, the intertanglement with African militaries is a major way they maintain neocolonial control of these countries. So the individual politics of each coup aside, the West undoubtedly has to be concerned about losing leverage on the continent with the world's greatest concentration of critical resources. Hence, why they are making an example out of Mali for being willing to engage with Russia. 
How African nations react to the ongoing ECOWAS EU sanctions against Mali will undoubtedly be a statement then about the future and fate of neocolonialism on the continent. As I've said before, one thing that is clear is among the masses of people in Africa, there is great desire to move on from the bottom rung of global economic affairs, and even the most neocolonial of leaders on the continent is feeling the pressure. As the coups that are capitalizing on mass anger in West Africa reflect, lack of adjustment can mean many leaders are washed away by the tide of history. So some may indeed be looking to adjust before it's too late. And finally, it has to be said that the holding of the meeting stands as quite the diplomatic accomplishment for Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed. Just a few months ago, there were even questions about whether or not the African Union would leave Ethiopia. So clearly, having this meeting buttress his position and having leader after African leader meet with him, praise the hospitality of the Ethiopian government, and for him to give a major speech focusing on the need for food sovereignty and development, all went to continuing to cement the fact that he seems to be succeeding where his enemies have sought to pull him down. And it certainly undermines the TPLF-instigated and Western-backed regime change attempts significantly. The TPLF, for instance, had laid out negotiating positions that required Ahmed to step down, something that clearly isn't going to happen or gain support among African nations. So all things considered, it's hard to see how Abiy Ahmed hasn't come out looking significantly stronger, both on the continent and internationally. And just to spike the ball a bit, Ethiopia's foreign minister met with the Russian delegation where the two countries pledged to work more closely together. All in all, the AU meeting is clearly happening at a crucial time for the continent, and the undercurrents of the meeting speak to that. Increasingly, the old neocolonial relationships are coming into question. But the real question is, will they be wiped away, rearranged, or replaced for the good of the African people? That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.